Welcome to Only Trying to Help, the podcast where we try to help you be helpful to other people. My name is Kate Watson, and I am here with a guest who you're very familiar with because Elizabeth has been on the podcast a few times now, and I'm so excited to have you back speaking about something that I think you're really passionate about. So, um, Elizabeth, how are you doing? I'm doing well, thanks. Thanks for having me back. Thank you. Actually, I want to thank you especially because... Oftentimes, I feel like I'm reaching out to people saying, would you like to be on my podcast? And I never know like, if I'm bothering people. But you reached out to me and you said, hey, I'm having an idea. And I was like, awesome. Yes, let's do that. So <laughs> your idea was to do an episode where we speak about how to be helpful to older adults in our lives. And when you pitched it, I wrote back to you and said, this is so timely because just last week, we did an episode about helping people maybe through memory loss or dementia. And so let's let's speak more broadly about other things that people may go through as they age and how we can be helpful to them. I'm going to turn it over to you and just ask, you know, what made you want to pitch this idea? Yeah, so I uh, have worked with older adults the majority of my career. Um, when I was in college, my very first sort of social work internship was at a medical adult daycare, and that kind of kicked it off for me. Um, I worked in nursing homes and uh, palliative and home hospice care, and now as a therapist, I mostly see uh, older adults. So I feel really, I know that a lot of people um, have mixed feelings about the older people in their lives. <laughs> Uh, which I can understand. Um, but for me, I find older adults to be so charming and full of interesting life experiences and uh, wild stories. And I think they're worth listening to. You know, I'm smiling over here because, well, especially when you said a lot of people may have some mixed feelings <laughs> about <laughs> about the older people in their lives. And I think... Um, you know, some of that is just in our culture. Yeah. It, it, as Americans, I think it's become normal for us to um, even just sort of discard the older people in our lives, that they're, they're inconvenient, they're in our way. Um, we have images of like cranky old people and we use right. that phrase like, oh, he's a cranky old man or she's a cranky old lady. Um, and so there is a lot of... Um, well, I should say there are a lot of stigmatizing images of what it means to be an older person. And and what, what I love about you is that you see through all that. Yeah, I try to. And don't get me wrong. I certainly, um, over the years of working with older people, I have often had moments of thinking like, we don't use that word anymore, or that's a wild thing to say, ma'am. I can't believe that just came out of your mouth. At the same time, time that's true of younger people too right like I'm sure we've all had experiences right where someone said something that you're kind of like what are you this is so inappropriate at least with older people you can think like you literally are from a different era and I think you know 
a lot of the things that people feel about older folks, older folks feel about younger people. Um, so for every young person who says, oh, he's a cranky old man, there's an old person who says there's a sassy teenager who, you know, is full of attitude and doesn't know, you know, how to behave and is entitled or whatever. Right. And so I think, you know, there's just a lot to struggle with around generation gaps and and. I, I think maybe uh, if we take a step back, we could say, you know what, we're all people wandering around this world, doing the best we can, but awfully confused, awfully confused about people with whom we have a generation gap. Right. I think one of the best remedies to bridge that generational gap is to ask questions. And I think this sounds a little uh, cliche, but I don't care. Sometimes cliches are useful. <laughs> um intergenerational friendships can be so important, not just for the older people who are benefiting from a younger person being in their lives, but for young people too. I'm really lucky. Um, my great aunt is still with us. She's 97, God bless her. Uh, and my children are delighted by her and she is delighted by them. And they have this very special relationship and they are literally 90 years apart. <laughs> but my kids want to know about like the antiques in her house and they want to know about our family. And Amatilda is the only one left who remembers a lot of uh, stuff about our family because um, she's actually pretty sharp for being 97. I can't describe to you how old that is, you guys. She once began a story with, when I was in college, we were at war and she meant the second world war. Yeah. Uh, every once in a while, whether it's people or places, but every once in a while, it just hits me that like, I don't know, you can look at a building and be like, oh, this was built in the 20s. Like, you know, if these walls could talk, right? right, right. Or you, you meet a person who was alive in the 20s, and I mean the 1920s. Right. <laughs> and and you think what this person has seen, you know, yeah. it's just, it's it's hard to grasp. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it can be really interesting and um kind of life affirming to ask somebody who was present, you know, what was it like, uh, before? <laughs> and I realized that everyone has a 97 year old in, in their lives. Um, I think though, even for many of us, our parents, right. Who are in their sixties and seventies certainly still have lived through tumultuous, stuff, right? Live through the sixties and seventies and have seen the world change, even just like with technology, even in my lifetime with technology, right? So imagine someone who grew up with like a party line on their, on their house phone. I think there are probably people young enough listening to this who are like, what are you saying? <laughs> but this is what I'm talking about. Like the older people in our lives have, if they don't have, if you don't think they have wisdom, which they might not, right? They at least have facts. They at least can tell you what the world used to be like and what has changed. And I think that can be really edifying for us. And it can be really edifying for them because what I hear most from my clients who are older is that people stop caring what they have to say. When you stop working, when your children are grown and launched, when you are no longer um, like in the thick of your community, like you used to be, the prevailing feeling is like nobody is actually that interested in me anymore and I think asking questions and engaging with the older people in our lives 
even if it's just for a few minutes, is a way to keep them engaged in their community and in life, right? Yeah, you know, it's it's occurring to me um, that this is a podcast about helping people. And when it comes to older folks, sometimes we barely tolerate them, let uh-huh. alone help them. Uh-huh. But we're like barely putting up with them, let mm-hmm. alone helping them. And so I think you and I are, are going to have this chat and really issue a challenge to the listeners to go way beyond just caring a little bit what someone has to say. But like there's there's even a whole world of really being of service to older people that we could tap into. Um, and it's 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 going way beyond just putting up with them and tolerating them, which we're barely doing now. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, there are plenty of there are plenty of very healthy older people, right. Who continue to be, to participate, uh, in the community and in their families and whatever. There are also plenty of folks who, as they get older, have run into a lot of health issues, a lot of chronic illness. Uh, The pandemic especially took the wind out of a lot of people's sails. Um, I see a lot of folks who are disabled or, or dealing with chronic illness who have been really isolated over the past few years. And if you are truly looking to help, there are definitely ways to volunteer formally and informally to do a phone check-in with someone who's mostly at home um, because they're older or they're sick or both, Um, you know, to cook meals, to offer your time and your energy and your, uh, empathy and concern in a way that, again, I think is good for everybody. There's plenty of studies that show that uh, what helps lift our mood is being of service to others. And older people are forgotten, as you said, Kate, when we began, especially in this country, we don't live, most of us, intergenerationally the way other cultures do. We don't care for our old people. You have to be either really rich or really poor to get any help for the vast majority of us. We just hope we don't fall and break something, right? As we get older, we hope that we are able to like stay in our home. Yeah. Yeah. I think whether you realize it or not, you've started us on a really good list. Maybe you meant to do that, but, but I'm, I'm already hearing like some of the takeaways, like you mentioned, listen, we could value older people um, for the facts, the, the observations that they have made, the, 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 the experiences they, ha- they, can, they have to share with us. We can ask questions um, to, to help keep them engaged. We can volunteer our time formally or informally. And that might mean just picking up a phone call and checking on someone or cooking a meal, or it might mean something even more elaborate than that. Um, what else have we missed, you think, that might be a couple of things a person could do who's listening to this podcast thinking, yeah, you know what, I could be I could be a little bit better? Yeah, I think even if like there's um, folks in your neighborhood who you've known, there's a couple uh, people in our neighborhood who walk, older people who walk, and I just always make sure to say hello, see how they're doing. So they, if, even if they don't know my name, they, they know my face in case they ever find themselves in need. (laughs) And also I think it's just neighborly, right. (laughs) To say hello. And that's one thing I hear a lot from, um, from my older adults too, is 
how much it's changed that like people don't speak to each other anymore. Um, that like, you know, people are, I hate, I know I'm going to sound like I'm 102, please forgive me, but like everyone's always looking at their phones <laughs> and there's a, been a real, um, a shift away from that old politeness. That being said, I do think the pandemic has shifted things in that way. It'll be interesting to see over the next several years. I think people are more inclined to like say hello to their neighbors and, and try to make connections because we were so isolated and as things got less isolating and people were able to talk again, I think for a while it was such a relief and everyone was like, hello, how are you? We're outside. A 3D person. Let me right. talk to you. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think one of the things I noticed in the pandemic was um, some older folks who maybe otherwise would have been like, completely opposed to technology actually became a bit open-minded to it. Um, you know, my grandmother has an iPad now. <laughs> <laughs> now, does she know how to use it very well? I'm not sure. Um, uh, but, but she has one and, you know, my, my parents got on zoom with us and you know, we had to explain a few times how to use the zoom link, but like they got on zoom with us. Um, they figured out how to put the camera on. And so, you know, I think it forced some people who might have said, oh, I'm too old for all of that. It forced a few of them to say, you know what, I'm not too old for that. Let me let me figure this out. And they did. Yeah, for sure. And that's the other thing, too. Old people. Listen, I know our brains get older with our bodies, right? They don't become incapable of learning. <laughs> and I think um most people would be surprised to hear that old people are, are still interested in learning, that they still um, want to hear about new things and they still want to participate again in the world. Um, my 97 year old great aunt has an iPad. I don't know what she does with it, but she owns it. <laughs> <laughs> we can't get her to video chat. Cause as I said to my children, I'm not even sure Aunt Matilda had a, um, a like a phone growing up in her home. So I can't, she can't, it's too, she cannot believe she can see people on a screen. It's too much. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Um, you know, everybody finds their way. Right. Um, but I, I, I do like the thought that folks who would have otherwise said, I'm too old for that, maybe did, maybe did try some new things, even if it was out of desperation. Yeah. You know, it, it might have been like, I'm just so desperate to see my grandchildren. I will figure this out. Yeah. Okay. But, but they did, or a lot of them did, maybe not everybody, but a lot of people did. Um, and I, I encourage people to think about that when you're, when you're speaking to an older adult who says a phrase like, Oh, I'm too old for that. You know, we don't have to agree. Uh, we don't have to reinforce that. Um, there are ways to say, well, you certainly get to make your own decisions. And so right. if you're not interested, that's fine but I don't think it has anything to do with age. You are capable of doing this new thing. It's fine if you don't want to, but you're capable. Yeah, absolutely. And things like the public library has classes, free classes for uh, older folks that need help with technology and stuff like that. There's resources. I think sometimes that can be really helpful to um, speaking of technology. I am, I am only 38. I grew up with a computer. I am a terrible Googler of things. Like, <laughs> 
my husband makes fun of me that I'm just typing like a full question into Google. Um, I can't, I think your husband does the same thing, right, Kate? That's, we bonded over that. <laughs> I'm, I'm laughing over here because I'm like, did I tell you that, that he Googles entire sentences? Yes, and, and I do as well. And we stand by it. <laughs> I, this, I just want to say, I have to comment on this. But I realized the seven-year age difference between him and I is pretty significant because, and and you don't have this excuse, Elizabeth, because we are the same <laughs> age. But in his day, like they didn't learn how to do searches, but we got instruction on that. Right. We in high school, college, like we had instruction on how to type in search terms where I don't think he ever had a lesson on that and it shows. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. And so that is a great thing we can offer with permission to uh, the older people in our lives, right? Um, my dad is pretty tech savvy. He's in his early seventies and sometimes he like, can, something will be up with his phone. He can't figure it out. I just told you that I Google things in full sentences. So I'm not particularly tech savvy either. But again, I grew up with the internet so I sometimes will help him fix his phone and then we go through it again a couple of times. So he, he go, so I can show him what I've done so he can do it again. Or sometimes he'll even like write down the directions. So I think sometimes, you know, it's quicker and easier for us to go, well, I'll just do it. Let me just do it. But how infantilizing, right? Older adults are adults even as they get confused, even as they get older and, and more curmudgeonly, they are still grownups and we should still treat them like that. Sometimes they need a little more time. So if you have the time and truly most of us do, there are very few real emergencies, right? Um, I would encourage you to sit down and say like, well, let me show you how I fixed it. So that if it happens again, you can do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, I think that's a really nice, clear example of how to be there for somebody. Like, without being condescending, there is a way to say, let's just go over that again. Yeah. Um, you know, I I was thinking about a, a friend of mine, you know, her father is getting older and he lives alone and he lives far away from her. And so he lives in a house by himself, really without any family around who could drop by quickly to check on him. And I know she worries about him. And I, I was like, well, what does he do? Like, what, what, like, how does he fill his time? And she kind of rolled her eyes and laughed and said, Kate, all he does is get up every day and walk to McDonald's and get a coffee and walk back. And I said, first of all, awesome that he gets up every day and takes a walk. Yeah. And I said, secondly, do you have contact information for anyone at that McDonald's? And she said, what? No, why? I said, because they're going to be the first to know if something happens to him. Yeah. They, they, that staff will be the first to say, hey, Tommy never came in today. Yeah. Tommy never showed up for his coffee. And I said, wouldn't it be nice if they could call you? And say, we just want to let you know your dad didn't come in for his coffee today. Um, and I just thought, you know, there are lots of ways to help older people build community yeah. that that match their personality, that match their habits and their interests. And they don't have to be infantilizing. It could be like, hey, dad, guess what? I got the phone number of your favorite cashier at McDonald's and we've been texting back and forth. Isn't that cool? 
Yeah. It doesn't have to be like I'm checking up on you and I'm babysitting you, but like I'm joining your community. I'm getting to know the people you know. Right. And I know about your life. I know this is a routine that you have. I know it's important to you. Yeah. To be uh to be seen and known is what we all want, right? That doesn't stop when you turn 65 and stop working. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking about um so I, I teach at a college in a human services program and there's a student who I've gotten to know pretty well. And um, she takes care of all the older people in her neighborhood in Philadelphia. And I just, I've just known that about her. She, she shares that with me, you know, and I say, Hey, what's new? She says, well, my one neighbor's in the hospital now. My other neighbor did break her foot and my other neighbor's doing okay. But she tells me about all of her neighbors um, because she looks out for all of them. And one day I had to meet with a student because we were getting to the point in her program where she needed an internship and she was all stressed out. She said, I don't really have time for an internship. I work, I have school, I take care of all my neighbors. How am I going to get an internship on top of this? And I said okay with me if taking care of your neighbors is your internship yeah i said what what better human services internship could you have than going around your neighborhood and looking out for people and i said i want you to journal about what skills you're using what skills you're improving upon what takeaways you're getting what you're learning submit that to me but go be a good neighbor. And that is perfectly fine with me if that is your internship. Yeah. And helping people age in place is such a huge, because again, unless you are low income enough to qualify for state services or rich enough to pay privately for someone to help you, there's not a lot for you to stay in your own home. And I can't tell you the number of clients who've said to me, well, my kids want me to move. Or my friends told me I should just move. Nobody wants to move. <laughs> Moving sucks. <laughs> and if you've lived someone somewhere for 40 years, can you imagine the amount of stuff to go through? Like, come on, we've lived in this house for nine years. And the idea of moving on it could give me like a panic attack. I can't. So I can't imagine several decades of being in one place, which is not to say like people downstairs all the time, but I think. Again, it's not for us to tell people what they want or need. It's for us to see how we can help them with what they've decided. Yeah. yeah. Really well said. I think that, I think what you said is true. I also think what you've said gives people a lot of anxiety of like, you know, you're telling me just to trust my dad's decision for himself, but I think he made the wrong decision. Or sure. I think, I think he's doing something horrible and, and he needs to listen to me. It's hard. It's hard for people to allow their, the older adults in their lives to have autonomy. And um, I feel like we could do a whole other episode on that. And I think though, I guess the, the message I would hope people hear is that, um, You've got to make a decision about what matters more. And is it, does it matter more that you are right and you got your way? Or does it matter more that the older adults in your life get to age gracefully and with dignity and to feel that they were cared for and valued? And you know what? Moment to moment, you might switch your decision on what matters more. 
Um, that's okay. I'm not saying you need a rule that always sticks, but, um, but it's worth considering moment to moment. Okay, in this moment, what matters more? Does it matter more that I get my voice heard and my way on this decision? Or in this moment, does it matter more that my mom or my dad get to feel respected? And moment to moment, you might choose differently. Yeah, and certainly there are extenuating circumstances, right? Where uh, what someone wants and what they need are two different things. And there does come a point where, you know, harder decisions have to be made. Yeah. Um, that's actually a service I offer. <laughs> it's called a, a family consultation. And essentially it's that it's sitting down all together with the older adult in question, um, with whoever else is involved, the adult children, the neighbors, whatever, and just coming up with like a really concrete plan. What if things get harder for you here in this house? What if, um, this, your upcoming surgery doesn't go well, or what if your son can't come in from Colorado to help take care of you? Who's going to help? So really like when, when the choices get harder, sometimes having a third person to mediate who like, I don't know about all the family drama and the many decades of hurt feelings and whatever else is going on. All I know is that we all have a goal and we're all going to figure out the goal together. So I love thank that. you for allowing me that little plug. <laughs> I, I love that. I, I can imagine just how useful that meeting is for everybody to feel like they got the chance to say what they needed to say without it kind of unraveling. Um, and so that's really awesome. Um, are there any other things that you think would be just like before we wrap up here, important for our listeners to hear or to know about supporting folks as they are aging? Yeah, I think just remembering that um, you're talking to another adult and that even if you are their child and you are an adult, for them, you're still their kid. <laughs> parents never stop being parents, even when you are grown up. And so while maybe they can't tell you what to do anymore, you also can't become the parent. I'm so sorry to tell you. Everybody has to maintain their their own role. I, so I, I know I often say we need a whole episode on that, but I think we should do a whole episode on that <laughs> because I have to tell you, I get requests for episodes and many times I've had someone say, can you do an episode on parenting your aging parents? Mm. And I have always said, yeah, yeah, sure. We'll do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll get to that. And you've just made me realize I should probably be saying no. <laughs> no, we are not parenting our aging parents. And you, you've you given me a real moment of pause. Um, so we will do the episode, but we're going we're gonna to be really careful about how we frame that. But the request that I get is always, how do I parent my aging parents? Kate, you need to talk about that. And I have said many times, sure, sure I will. But um, I'm going to need you for this because you're going to keep me in check about it. Yeah, because I can't, I'm on the other side of that conversation with the aging parent in question going, I am the parent. I am the adult. How, you know, like I, I'm a grown up. I want to make my own decisions. My daughter is not my mother. And uh, yeah, that's how, and as somebody with, you know, three, my, my in-laws and my own dad who are all getting older, who are all healthy, touch wood. But I do sometimes think 
there's going to come a point where I'm going to have a lot of thoughts and opinions and they are not going to be shared. <laughs> <laughs> well, <And that's> <laughs> yeah. well, that's what the podcast is for. Come share them here. <laughs> we'll figure it out together. <laughs> yeah. Just make sure they're not listening and uh, we'll, really. just, we'll just, we'll just air all of that for the, the general public. Yeah. Um, no, but th these are all such great points. And I just want to thank you so much for, for proposing the topic. And, and you really, I think what we've done today is just slightly opened it. And there's obviously a lot more to say. And we'll just do it again and again and again. We'll keep coming back to it. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you.